please pray with me? Heavenly Father, by the clearness and the brightness of your holy word, may all the world come within your saving embrace. Pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right, we're trying some high-tech things today. Is it coming up? Yes. Okay. All right. So it's small, um, and I would say pull out your phones and look at it, but that's probably not a good practice. <laughs> um, but maybe write down the name of the painting that's coming up, and you can look at it in more detail um, in, uh, after the service or in the coming week. Um, so this image is a painting. Um, it was a print that I had in my bedroom as a child, I think when I was like five or six years old. My grandparents gave me this print. And it's a painting called A Peaceable Kingdom by Edward Hicks. Um, and this, this particular version was painted in 1834. Um, as a child, I thought, about, I thought that it was about Thanksgiving um, because it had people, you can see them sort of far off in the distance. Um, there's um, some colonists and there's some Native Americans and they're kind of meeting together and so I thought, oh, it's Thanksgiving, like as a, as a kid. But there's also all this other scene around it um, and it's Hicks's vision of Isaiah 11. And so there's a lion and there's a, an ox or a calf. There's babies and children and lions and uh, wolves and bears and it's a fulfillment of that vision in Isaiah 11. And this came to mind for me um, the Wednesday before uh, Thanksgiving I was sharing during morning prayer and each week we have um, often a, an image that we reflect on or an image that's at least included within the liturgy, which this is a plug for you to participate in morning prayer. Again, uh, 7.30 in the morning on, on Wednesdays by Zoom, so it is, it is doable. Um, but as I looked at this image, it seemed appropriate to Thanksgiving, but I found that it was much deeper than that. Um, uh, Edward Hicks was a sign painter uh, and a Quaker minister in Pennsylvania in the early 1800s. And this painting is actually one of 60 different paintings, um, which he painted over his career again and again, each of them a reflection on uh, a fulfillment of Isaiah 11, beginning with um, what he imagined that fulfillment of Isaiah 11 would look like, and then putting other images, but most specifically um, an image of a treaty between William Penn and the Lenape um, Indian tribe in the background. And Isaiah 11, it prophesied the righteous king who would raise up David's throne from complete destruction like a fruitful branch growing up out of a stump. And unlike Adam and Eve's fall in the garden that resulted in thorns and suffering and death and violence, Jesus' righteous rule uh, was fruitful and a new kind of garden. Um, uh, so, un, um, some, so new that it was kind of unnatural in fruitful uh, ways. That creatures known for their violence would turn to peace, um, that lion and the ox would eat grass together. And all of this would be made possible or would be a, a product of the fact that the earth would be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. That in that time, animals and people alike would be at peace um, with themselves and with each other. Because like the sea is filled with water, the whole earth, all of the earth, would be full of the knowledge of the Lord. And there'd be no space for darkness. There'd be no space for violence or death anymore. And so in his painting, um, and again, a series, 60 different paintings, sort of reflections on often that same theme, 
150 years after that treaty, Edward Hicks was calling his contemporaries, the people in his time in Pennsylvania who had knowledge both of Isaiah 11 and of this um, treaty that was significant to their own shared history, uh, to live not, um, not just in faithfulness to that historical treaty, but to, above all, live in faithfulness to the kingdom of God in Isaiah 11. And through painting this subject matter again and again and again over several decades, Hicks was trying to envision how to live faithfully today, in his day, in light of what was and what is and what is to come. A prophecy uh, which we are going to be in the book of Isaiah over the course of this Advent season. Prophecy includes both foretelling and forthtelling. That God uses prophets to speak of things to come in the future, but he also speaks commandments and instructions for today, forthtelling, speaking out for today. And through the prophet Isaiah, who ministered in the southern kingdom of Judah um, about 740 to 700 BC, God foretold many different things. He foretold the Babylonian exile. He foretold um, Cyrus and the Persians overflowing, or overthrowing the Assyrians. He foretold release of the captives, of the remnant of uh, the Jews from captivity, and of John the Baptist, and of the virgin birth, and of the Magi coming to Bethlehem, and of many other events. Of all the books um, in the Old Testament, it is the second most frequently quoted in the New Testament, and second only to the Psalms. And today's passages um, from Romans and from Matthew include um, quotes and uh, citing prophecies from the book of Isaiah. And so Isaiah did. He foretold many different things. He spoke of things to happen in the future. But Isaiah also has a lot to say about the present, about his contemporary context. He exhorts God's people. I mean, we had an exhortation together as a church last Sunday to repent and turn to God, not someday in the future, but now, to repent and turn to God today, while it is still today. To turn away from idolatry, to turn away from immorality, to not be violent or abusive towards one another, to give justice to the poor and the meek, to prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight, repent today, to turn today, while it is still called today. So Isaiah spoke of many things in the future, but he had great attention and God used him greatly in commands for the present. Like um, times where you might, I don't know if you guys have driven to Colorado or you've driven to places where there's mountains, you see um, the whole range in one sort of glimpse or vision, and yet you're looking at great depth and lots of space between all of those different peaks. Prophecy is similar to that in ways you might see all things in one, one image, and yet there is great distance between each of those different places. If you've ever hiked a mountain, um, you know that it's a dangerous thing to say, ah, it's just around that next bend. You find that there's many, often many more things that you do not yet see in time and distance to cover. And so similarly, God uses Isaiah the prophet to speak about what is and what what was and what is and what is to come. Makes judgments about Isaiah's past, instructions for the present, but also many promises of things to come. And likewise, things that are of the past, of the present, and of the future for us. Isaiah prophesied some things that were near, 
some things that were far, and some things like the fullness, the true fullness of the earth with the knowledge of the Lord, while we, uh, is something which we still await and prepare and long for. Isaiah prophesied in a time of great uh, transition of outside foreign threats from the Assyrians, that judgment was coming for Judah. Um, They had been led by a strong king, one whom God had helped um, greatly to defend them from their enemies, but one who, it was almost as though God's help had made him proud. And so King Uzziah has said that when he was strong, he also grew proud, and his pride became a seed um, of his own judgments and of, of the people and of their harm. And Isaiah prophesied there will be actually more and more trial, more and more hardship before there will be relief, but ultimately there will be total and complete restoration. The destruction was indeed decreed, it was an unavoidable fact, and yet at the end it would overflow with righteousness. The Lord would swing um, the enemies of Israel like an axe against them. The power of the Assyrians would be wielded as sort of a weapon against Judah, the southern kingdom. And like a forest that was cut down, it would be chopped down all the way down to the stumps, like a f- just a, such an ugly, bleak um, image. And the remnants of those trees, if, if you did a survey, would be so few that child a child could write down the number. Assyria would be a, an instrument of God's judgment, but Assyria itself would be judged and overthrown for its wickedness. But a remnant would be preserved and would ultimately return to the land. And then we have this passage from Isaiah, from Isaiah 11. From this scene of destruction, from this this sort of scene of just a bunch of stumps, a new king would rise up, a new son of Jesse arising from those stump of trees that the Assyrians had laid waste. And he would be a king anointed by the Spirit, anointed not just with oil or with hands laid upon him, but with wisdom and understanding and counsel, with might and knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And of course, Jesus is that righteous king. His character, his ambition, his judgments are wholly righteous. He is both uh, the meekest and the strongest all at once in a way that is unnatural according to our ways, but is the way and the character of God. A peaceable kingdom um, was Edward Hicks, his attempt to imagine how those prophecies of Isaiah 11 applied to his time. And because the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea, Hicks understood that Christians are to live in anticipation, to live in harmony with one another today in accordance of Jesus' reign today. Um, That Jesus, that shoot from the stump of Jesse, we live um, in honoring that truth and that reality that uh, the knowledge of the Lord shall uh, fill the whole earth. Now Hicks wasn't um, naive, he wasn't um, triumphalistic about his vision of what he was or what his contemporaries were. A subtext of his paintings was a schism um, within the the Quaker church itself and um, ways that Hicks believed that his his, uh, fellow uh, Quakers, those who he worshiped with, were straying from um, straying from truth, straying from uh, integrity to the treaty that had made before them. But even at the time of that treaty in 1681, William Penn, he didn't have a naive view of human nature or of the setting that he was in. 
He publicly acknowledged the ways in which the Lenape people were seemingly worse off because of the presence of so-called Christian colonists. He spoke of how too many so-called Christians preached high ideals and yet acted unjustly. But in spite of all that, Penn was making an attempt through his treaty to practice what he preached and to call others to do the same, to act with integrity towards their neighbors. Now, in um, the painting, there's, it's again a little tough to see in this, this scale, but there's more of a naturalism to the creatures like the ox and the cow and the calf, the goats, the sheep, the lambs, those animals that are much more vulnerable. And there are times when we might ourselves um, identify with that vulnerability and our prayers are often, Lord, preserve me, give me protection, restrain the powerful in the ways that feel acted upon. And there is truth in that um, promise within Isaiah 11 that nothing will harm the vulnerable in Christ's kingdom. However, this is again where you need to look later, later this evening. The faces of the predators the aggressors within this painting, the lions and the leopards, have human features. They have like funky eyebrows. <laughs> and the interesting thing is they bear a very striking resemblance to Edward Hicks himself. That it was as if Hicks was recognizing his own need to choose peace and his own capacity for rebellion. That there were paths in his life that needed to be set straight. Um, before any, before the full, in, in order to show forth that the, the knowledge of the Lord was covering the whole earth. Now Jesus Christ does restrain the violent and protects those who are oppressed. He gives vulnerable, he protects the vulnerable that they will dwell in safety. And there is, therefore, an implied responsibility, um, an ex- ex- expectation that all God's people would follow Jesus in restraining violence and following his example of righteous judgments for the poor and the meek. But like Hicks, I think we need to think, where is the, the lion in my heart? Where is the leopard in my own actions or my own, um, my own uh, fleshly anger or my own fleshly fear? What paths need to be set straight in preparation for Jesus' coming? As Father Chris preached for us last Sunday, who are you called to forgive and not to hold judgment over? Towards whom do you feel a fleshly anger? And how might um, fleshly fear affect your behavior and keep you from moving with courage for righteousness' sake towards others? Courage in righteousness' sake to move towards others in the strength of the Lord, trusting that he is your shield. You don't have to give defense to yourself and that you might still keep the meekness of love and act in courage. And so how um, are those paths need to be straight in our own lives? How can you move towards your siblings? How can you move towards your parent, your spouse, your neighbor with words or with actions that express the fact that you're, you're trusting that the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea? How can you grow in that um, expression, in that faith? And I think as our collect today promises, attend yourself, uh, turn yourself to God's word and to those promises, the ways that they have been fulfilled, that they are fulfilled, that they will be fulfilled. Learn and mark and read and inwardly digest 
God's word and trust in those promises. As citizens of Jesus' kingdom, God makes his appeal to the world through us, um, through our words, through our actions. Be reconciled to God, that God is trustworthy, that Jesus is Lord. And so as Jesus' subjects, as ambassadors of his kingdom, I want you to consider this week, how is his reign extended in the spheres of your influence, the spheres of your life, your friendships, your school, your family, your workplace? And if you imagine Isaiah and this um, image in the foreground of your life, um, what sort of scenes of the kingdom of heaven are in the background? ones that are scenes of a peaceable kingdom affected in your own life, what would we see?